Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to the Lantern Roo Cycling Podcast. You're with Benji as always. This show is supported by our show partner, LaCole. It's the Vuelta España stage 12, 175 kilometers long. We didn't expect GC action. If I want to disappoint you, there was no Roglic mad descent attack today, but it was an incredibly exciting finale to this stage. And uh, yeah, I just, I can't wait to get into it. People, there was uh, the, the rest day recap, what's were on full display, uh, but Brief note, Benji uh, put up a tweet saying, missing 12-year-old kangaroo, likely kidnapped by vultures. No, actually, Benji, I was having my uh, my first uh, Andorran domestic dispute with, with neighbours, um, with uh, <laughs> telling, uh, telling them to turn down the music. They started blaring it, and I was like, I can't continue when the recording starts. So I went, knocking, knocking, no one, then guy get, gets out of the lift. He's like, can I help you? I said, puedo bajar la musica? He's like, oh, sí, of course. I was like, mate what are you doing? No one's answering the door. Very, very strange. But they turned it off immediately afterwards. So anyway, we continue on. We had one of our boys of the pod, uh, Seb Berwick, Berwick, not Berwick, in uh, in the breakaway today. Yes, Berwick was in the breakaway today. But <laughs> <laughs> but before he was in the breakaway today, we had wonderful action once again for a, a good 87 kilometers of people trying to get away today. 87 kilometers that's insane i feel like compared to giro with the tour and the vuelta and the tour and the vuelta has taken so long for breakaways to form in the giro we had stages where it took long but there were a lot of stages where it was like oh 10 kilometers break is gone and it is on these kind of stages where the break could win that obviously 90 percent of the peloton wants to be in it and that was clear today and i think uh there were a few teams that were interested in controlling today the likes of a uh, UAE seemed interested from before the stage already. Trenton said in an interview that they might control the stage and try and get him over the climbs, drop some sprinters, and hope for a reduced bunch of sprint. And uh, I can't spoil if that happened, but we had a breakaway forming. Yes, indeed. Barrick was in that breakaway, but it wasn't a strong breakaway. It was the typical breakaway where, where you're like, okay, this, this is unlikely to go to the line because it has a lot of those wildcard riders in it. Uh, we had Van Hills, Amesqueta, De Wolf, Yetzebol, Arme, Ituria, and indeed Barrick. And uh, that breakaway held on for quite a bit, but never got a gap larger than a minute and a half. They actually formed in a bit of a, a feeding zone. So usually you don't have it that people try to attack in feeding zones, but some of those breakaway riders decided to break the unwritten rule and join the breakaway instead. Nonetheless, in the peloton, Yumbo came to the front and paced a tiny bit, and then Yui simply took over, and they were uh, the team that was taking control for basically the entire stage from this point onwards. I didn't see too many other teams at the front of the peloton, to be honest. And we went over the first climb, and this is not the steepest climb. A complete fake news climb, by the way, <laughs> because it's like a 7-kilometer climb of like 7%, and not necessarily a 13-kilometer climb of percent <laughs> very big difference that one 
nonetheless in the UAE pacing, but you know that they're trying to lower the tempo to make sure that the sprinters can hold on. And that's where the gap exactly. to the breakaway goes from a minute to a minute 40. Obviously, the break spending a lot more energy doing that. The peloton trying to reduce the tempo to indeed let their sprinters hold on. And that's what they did. But chaos ensued on the uh, descent of that uh, climb because we had a crash in the peloton. And I felt like it was from Barla that slid out or something in a corner in the inner corner and he took out a lot of riders uh to the right side of the road i am not sure if from barla was the first to crash but that's what the commentators have uh said to my uh my mind and uh we had roglic in that crash he was down and he uh looked to be uh pretty damn calm about it he was standing up uh, wobbling about to his bike takes his bike woggles back to the road and starts off the entire team basically waiting for him and the chase has begun but quite a few other people in that crash and uh i think we had a crash a bit earlier as well with buyer right that yeah it seems to be a good. bit worse but uh hopefully alpacin phoenix's uh twitter socials can uh get us up to date there as well but we had lots of splits in that descent and it felt like yumbo was trying to come back and we had just groups everywhere and they had to go from group to group to group right Benji, name a more iconic duo than the uh, the jury car pacing Yumbo Visma back during the Welter <laughs> having a 2019 most outrageous thing I've ever seen. But listen, the UAE just kept doing their pace at the front. No other GC team took it up. Yumbo just had to work their way through a lot of gaps, uh, a, lot, sorry, a, lot, a lot of groups, which took time. It was also a bit sketchy, but they didn't seem particularly panicked. They came back easily. Yates also caught up. Yep. He wasn't didn't get the benefit of the cars as much, and he, uh, he came back as well, though. So it wasn't particularly impactful, the crash. This stage was all about the final climb called Alto Del 14%. Uh, which is just what a name for a climb. It's a lie. It goes up to 16%. Really? Yes, it does. <laughs> well, it's 7.3 Ks long at 5.5%, but it's really about 6% for 5 Ks, then a 12% K at the end of the climb, and then like a false flat finish. So this is what's really difficult about managing these stage stages for your climby sprinty boys like Trenton, Matthews and Court, what's really hard is you can catch the break, which they did by this point. But if you get attacked on that last deep bit of a climb and we only have 19 Ks to the finish, which is half descent, half false flat downhill, you then have to make sure your sprinter isn't getting dropped. And if they have been dropped a little bit, let them come back, in which case you're not pacing. Your other domestiques, unless they're, you know, Schultz is probably okay, but you have to wait for your other domestiques to recover to begin begin pacing. You can't move up on the descent because they were all at the back. So it's very, very difficult to control a late move from some climbers on that sort of climb, even if you have done a good job controlling the breakaway. And that's what we saw, Benji, because the GC team is not interested, like, Bahrain, I think Caruso was at the front, slow pacing, and then we saw a move out of that group. Yeah, Ciccone was the uh, first rider to make a move, and Vine was already sitting at the front, ready to respond. Then that duo went off the front, and they actually took a pretty decent gap of like 15 seconds on the peloton itself, where the tempo was being done by teams that, well, Yoi was pacing, and then they weren't because they realized that Trenton was of the back with Machu, so that was a bit of a problem for uh for those teams, but with Vine and, and the other guy up front, then you know that other people will try and follow. 
And Hinao was one of the riders that decided to jump across. Who was a Ford rider? Bardet, Bardet right? Yes. yes. Bardet went off the front as well. And they formed a four-man group at the front of the race. They had a solid gap of, I think, 20 seconds roughly at the top of this climb. And they were trying to build that even further into 25, 30 going into the descent. And during that descent, we saw the likes of a Matthews and Trenton coming back with some teammates of Bike Exchange with six, seven riders still in the group behind. And after the descent, that's when you know that Bike Exchange is going to come to the front and is going to try and hammer it. But we saw a move just before that, where Izagire went off the front on the right side and Trenton was with him or was Trenton already gone no, there? So- Bahrain and Yates said, like, all the other GC mm-hmm. teams do not care about the break. Particularly, you don't want Roglic. He's quick. You don't want to take him bonus seconds. So they're, like, slow pacing on this descent. Trenton's lead-out man brings him up, and it just drops everyone else. And then Trenton's <laughs> on his own. Yeah. And then Izagire bridges across to him. But that by the time they got to the bottom of the descent, then bike exchange come to the front. It's only then after, you know, with 9, 10Ks to go, they can actually move up with their team and start pacing. And Trenton gets caught. We still have Magnus Court in this group. We have Bagioli. We have Roglic, who is fast. So there are some fast men here. The breakaway seemed evident to me that Anau and Vine were the strongest. Anau was pulling like a truck. Bardet was losing the wheel a fair bit. He wasn't pulling for very long. Ciccone as well was struggling. Vine was pulling well. I was actually surprised Vine was gapping them on the descent. Uh, so on the descent, he looked very good. So that's something I thought maybe, you know, he got the watts. Maybe that's developing a bit later. He was excellent on the descent. And then, it, yeah, I was like, it's it's four, those four against a full bike exchange team who, Benji, I was like, this is a stage for Matthews, not yesterday, but with UAE chasing the break all day, there was no real need for bike exchange to do anything until the base of that descent off the final climb. Yeah, pretty crazy that UAE decided to uh, full-on trust Trenton to uh, be able to finish off a stage like this, knowing that he's been unable to do proper uh, flat sprints in the last year, two years, I'd say, because I swear to Slovenia, we had the same exact discussion where we didn't trust Trenton at all for flat sprints, and he lost a few of those there as well, third or sixth uh, on a few of the stages. We had him at Burgos as well, I think, third and fourths. Uh, this is from the top of my head, but... I recall just him getting third and fourth on these kind of reduced bunch sprints recently. So I don't know. It feels like it's a lot to uh, ensure the entire team of of pacing the entire day for for Trenton today. And I feel like it's perhaps a, a bit of a mistake. And they would have been better off trying to get him in the break as well. But perhaps they tried at the start of the stage and we didn't see it off camera. So perhaps that aspect is a bit of an unknown to us. But yeah, we had a uh, bike exchange indeed indeed only doing the work in the last 10 kilometers, but it felt like when Trenton was then eventually caught again by by that Peloton group that we waited a bit to take the front again because obviously oh, they spent a lot of their riders. Yeah, they spent a lot of their <laughs> riders during the entire parkour and what are they going to do? Use the La Cruz for that? Not really likely. So I think they waited very long to help him out. Trenton and that was perhaps a wise decision because yeah, Bike Exchange had six, seven riders, but that decision didn't make it very, very stressful in the last two kilometers because we still had that breakaway and uh, we had a, a strong Aussie in that group. Yeah, Vine actually, he almost made a mistake, Benji. I don't want to call it a mistake. It's a bit it's strong, but he, he threw one of the roundabouts. Bardet loses the wheel and he had a big gap and he almost was like, 
he, he waited for them when the gap was coming down to about 12 seconds at that point. And, you know, 5Ks, it was 20 seconds. They'd eaten 10 seconds in, in two or three kilometres. They're bringing it down very fast with this Bex TTT behind. And, yeah, he, he waited for them. And probably wouldn't matter anyway, I doubt it. But, yeah, and then they come back and Bade Chikone is just, like, blown off the back. And then another roundabout comes and we see the peloton. It said 12 seconds. It was, like, three. <laughs> and the front on shot, they're catching them. Vine, Fuga de Fuga, attacks out of that break and sort of hovers a bit but gets caught with about 700 metres to go by bike exchange. So a fantastic move from him. Still, you know, I, World Tour teams, as a man, I'd be wanting to, to throw some coin out, but that's a story for another day. Um, he, he's had a good welter so far, and maybe we'll do well later as well as hopefully Berwick. But yeah, then Bike Exchange, Benji doing the lead out, but they burnt all their teams, and there's one man and a team who we haven't seen all day. As a, the opposite to yesterday, Magnus Court and Jens Kuklera, the Belgian, who used to be on Bike Exchange, actually, if I'm not mistaken. They're sitting there, and he's in good position right there. Bike exchange, they've got one rider for Bling. Kukulera brings court past Matthews at a rate of knots, and the lead-out man for Matthews loses his wheel. Bagioli is on court's wheel. Matthews then has to close this gap of like several bike lengths in the wind in the last 400 metres, 300 metres, never ideal. Court opens his sprint pretty early, and he actually gets Bagioli off the wheel a little bit, and Bagioli tries to come around to the left. I thought he might have been doing it, the young Italian who we've actually been uh, touting, and but court, Magnus Court is too strong. Third on the Aragon sprint stage, Benji, which is a tell, why is he an underdog? Why is Magnus Court an underdog? Why does no one ever ask EF to do anything? And why does everyone let Magnus Court do what he wants when he's got third in a, a pure bunch sprint earlier in the week and he's on incredible form? I think that the main reason here is yesterday we had him just being called with 200 meters to go. It's felt unlikely that he was going to be the biggest candidate today. We said yesterday Court would be ideal for the stage, but we don't know if he's going to be recovered from uh, yesterday. Well, turns out the answer is yes. And uh, it is also kind of the uh, one of the final few stages where he can do something great at here because while tomorrow is a flat sprint, he said that it's going to be a, a rest day for the team. And the stage after that are pure mountain stages. Well, we know we can climb, but he's unlikely to hunt for those as well unless he wants to get five stage wins in this Vuelta, which I wouldn't even be surprised by anymore at this point. But uh, I think the main cause for the underdogness is yesterday. I think if it was a stage like this, similar situation without yesterday's event, of course, being that far up and just God before the line, then I don't think you'd have uh, everybody looking over him so easily because, uh, yeah, that's indeed what happened today. And I feel like in breakaways, he's a bit underrated as well because the peloton tends to underrate them and then makes it pretty uh, scary by the end when they're on the brink of catching or not catching him. So, yeah, it's a godlike rider at the moment. Two stage wins on fire. He won a similar sprint last year, the Salamanca de Ciudad Rodrigo, 162Ks, had a lot of climbing in it as well. He beat there, I think, Rogla, who actually got blocked in. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Dion Smith Valverde, a very similar sort of sprint. So incredible work from him and Jens Kukulera. And yeah, otherwise it wasn't really any GC action. I just think a very, very exciting stage, Benji. One thing I want to note, which we don't see, I mean, you see it occasionally, and Nico Roche brought it up on the live broadcast because he spoke to Matt Winston, the DS of DSM, 
which I really want to commend this, is DSM had the, got Chad Hager in a break and then they were like, it's not going anywhere. Just stop. And they pulled him out when the break had a 90-second gap, was working cohesively. But they made the decision that it's not – just save your legs and, and he dropped back. And I think we, that is something which is smart and we don't actually see that often and it was correct. Yeah, I think that it's a wise decision. I uh, noticed it as well that he was talking to his radio, but I wasn't sure whether he was hearing the fact that he should wait or what he was saying to the radio, yeah, I'm dropping. So it's good that we've got a confirmation on that. But I think that's also the difference between a team like DSM here who doesn't care about sponsor recognition and breakaways as much as, for example, a wildcard team who will gladly send their riders out to, uh, to get slaughtered in the breakaway just to get a bit more attention on the broadcast and so forth and just to get that biased subjective vote on the uh, combativity system in as well because Lostra won combativity yesterday and not Magnus Scott Nielsen and I can't <laughs> get over it. <laughs> Who won today? It might have been Lostra went for a meme attack again, didn't he? It probably would have been Ituria. But it's uh, the Oiskaltul rider yeah, that attacked Ituria, once Ituria. on the top of the last climb, <laughs> Mikel Ituria, yes. <laughs> So we didn't see any GC big movement, no Roglic descent attacks, Benji. But I'll do the final top 10, lest I forget. Court winning ahead of Bagioli, Matthews, Trentin, Krohn, Groschartner, Antonio Jesus Soto. Isn't he the boy you've been calling for top 10s, Benji? He got his top 10. Did he get his top 10? Awesome, Seven. man. Good job. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of the time people think that Lobato is the one that is sprinting for this team. But so it seems like Soto has been doing so instead in this uh, in this Vuelta so far. and. Uh, He's showing himself. Obviously, being seventh here is not a godlike result, but it's good enough to be noticed. And that is what is necessary. That's also what's good about the fact of a Vine getting in such an attack today. Uh, while he might not take the stage when here, he was the strongest eventually in that group, and it would lead to more attention to his name, and he gets more uh, credibility for that and reputation. So uh, get wrecked, Jay. That is uh, their that's slogan, the, right? That's they the slogan, merch. yeah. <laughs> okay yeah i'll do a, i'll do a 70 50 50 merch deal with the, the vine family on that we'll, we'll take that offline lobato actually got dropped benji finished like 16 minutes back so maybe you know soto's uh climbing well as well otherwise uh old christian i can keeps the jersey and i think tomorrow he should be that's the beauty of being a, a solid puncher like him and he's pretty race savvy generally 204 k's tomorrow is the sp- maybe the last pure sprint stage for a while. It's There's no categorized climbs, a few rollers at the start, but in the last 50, it's it's nothing. There's a bonus gate. It says 12Ks to go in an intermediate sprint there. Why? Why would you have that there? Nobody's going to go for the intermediate <laughs> sprint because the sprint is 12 kilometers later, and nobody's going to go for the bonus gate because why would you care about <laughs> two seconds right now when you need to save energy? Well, perhaps some people will care. No risk, know. no glory, Benji. Even, yeah, if, that's even true. if risk reward is completely skewed. If you just do that, then yeah. But yeah. Jakobsen, or do you think that his tr- attempt to get over the climbs today might have influenced his energy for tomorrow? Because he, he went try? over the second climb and was in the peloton just before the second climb. I'm not sure. I think he should be okay. He, he won the last stage of the Vuelta when he, in 2019, wasn't it? He seems to have pretty good resilience. Uh, Who are we talking weeks. about? Jakobsen, Jakobsen, right? Yeah, he won, he won the last stage. Didn't he win in Madrid? Really? Yeah, I, I don't know. Think. You're he right. Did. Yeah. Jesus. 
So I think he get, he should be if, you know he gets through the grand tours okay. I, I like him for tomorrow, obviously with no Jasper Philipson who's out with a, a fever. Arno Demar turned thirty today, but doesn't have Guarnieri, so I'm picking Jakobsen Benji. Uh, I can't really stray away from him. Yeah, I think that he's a favorite, to be honest. Like <laughs> I want to pick someone else. I think that <laughs> I think that Dines is gonna win. <laughs> no, I think Jakobsen <laughs> wins, but. Just to have a bit of an opposition here, I'm going to go for Dainese. I don't know why. Yeah. Okay. So that was the, the stage today. Other learnings from it, I guess, are not not too much. Just it is very difficult to control these sort of stages. And we saw uh, we we spoke about Catalonia stage one a couple of times. Talking about the stage yesterday has a similar late climb. The one that Andreas Krohn won when he countered with Kemner. No, not yes, with Kemner and Luis Leon Sanchez. It's just very, very hard to get organised and to have the team. And bike exchange, we should we should talk about Matthews and bike exchange just for a couple of minutes. Benji, is is it just they lost the leader man lost the wheel and that just stuffed Matthews sprint because they're investing a lot in multiple days and, and not getting the results they'd be expecting. Yeah, I, I don't think even think I blame Matthews completely today either because. Sure, he, he likely wasn't strong enough to win today's stage. Like, that's what I've got the feeling of. But also the fact that his leadout was so easily jumped over by, I think it was, was it Kirkler or who was it for your vacation first that flew past? It was like, it was likely not Kirkler in this stage. But that did the leadout for court? Yeah. Kirkler. Oh, okay. It was Kirkler, Belgian, yes. But um, that they went past so fast that. It's also just simply the leadout's fault that he can't that he can't keep up. Perhaps he's done for because of all the chasing, and that's uh, perhaps a mistake to lean on your own leadout. But did they expect Court to play a role? They should have when he's still in the group. And yeah, it's it's hard to talk about it because, like yesterday, I feel like them pacing the entire stage was useless because the finish didn't suit him that well. His best result on Flejolon was eighth, and you don't have Roglic there in that race. So it was very unlikely that he was going to win yesterday. So yesterday, mistake to ride. Today, I, like you, expected them to ride more. And it ended up going well because UAE decided to do what Matthews' team did yesterday. And that's yeah, I know. spending an entire day pacing when your sprinter is just not that amazing at flat sprints and we continuously say that about Trenton but it seems to be the case and it seems weird that they spend their entire team on a on a stage like today and sure you were talking about bike exchange but I think the whole story leans on a UAE as well if we count today in it but you think it's a, a structural problem at bike exchange where they don't know how to uh, apply certain strategies on certain stage or do you think that is because they trying to go in the breakaway at the start and it didn't work and then they have to try and go to a plan b of just trying to control the stage yesterday or or just at the end of the stage today and stuff like that i don't i don't know what it is uh, yesterday's obviously a, a, just a, a very bad misevaluation um but i was you know the narrative then would have been if the if jay vine wins today right the narrative would be Bike exchange were too tired from yesterday to be able to pace effectively today, but it wasn't the case. They they brought him back like pretty handily, actually. Uh, maybe that panic at the end, you know, it cost their lead out for Matthews. I'm not sure. I think t- today 
they just got unlucky. I think it actually worked, was working out pretty well for them. I, I, have, no. I have zero problem with their tactics at all today by Agreed. exchange. Uh, but yeah, that's the recap of stage 12 of the Vuelta Espana. We'll have the recap of the TT today and the tomorrow's stage of Simiac Ladies Tour in the pod and as a separate YouTube video. Thanks to LaCole, our show partner, for supporting the podcast. You can get 20% off all LaCole items with LR Vuelta 2.0 at checkout. And we'll see you with the recap tomorrow. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 